either way, that's it. Well, today I want to uh, talk about a topic that most parents and most families never want to talk about, and that is this topic of discipline. Uh, in our culture, typically what happens is people will say, the way you should raise your children is just by love. Just love, 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 love them because love is positive and never, never discipline them because discipline is bad. It's bad, 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 and it's negative. Now, there is a theological understanding that I want to give to you on this kind of perspective on uh, parenting, and this is what it is. That's called hogwash, okay? That's called hogwash. You would not drink hogwash, and you would not want to do it because it's absurd to think that you would only love and you would never discipline. In fact, uh, some older parents uh, will tell me, and, and this is usually about 10 to 20 percent, When they look back on their parenting, they would say things like this. I was way too hard on my kids. I was like a drill sergeant. I was in their face all the time. And they lived like in this constant sense of fear. I was just way too rigid. But more often than not, I would say 80% parents will say something like this. I was way too lenient on my kids. I mean, it was like highway robbery. I had no uh, timelines. I had no uh, boundaries. I had nothing for my kids to be able to have some discipline within their life. And when that happens, you set your kids up for failure later in life because they can't understand why it's only about love and not discipline. So, what I want to talk about today is how you can prevent from making mistakes that older parents have made. Because let me ask you this. Is it better to learn from your own mistakes or from the mistakes of somebody else? No. At first, the celebration did that too. Why would you want to learn from your own? Isn't it better to learn from somebody else? Then you don't do that, right? Like, that's what you want to do. You want to learn from other people's failures so you don't have to go through that failure. And so that's what we want to try to talk about today. Now, if you're a parent or a guardian or a soon-to-be parent, um, discipline is always a hard thing to talk about. And if you struggle with it, join the crowd. Every parent that I know does. But the good news is that the scripture gives us some perspective on how to be better parents. Since the very beginning, Adam and Eve had struggle with discipline. In fact, they struggled with it so much that their one son killed their other. So if you don't want one of your kids to kill the other then you need to listen up today, okay? Because it could happen. Um, All right. So 
What is it? What is this discipline? And in particular, what does the Bible tell us about discipline? What does it look like? Well, first of all, and this is your first fill-in, and you can do this on the app or in your program. Discipline is correction driven by love. That's what discipline is. It is correction driven by love. Now, any parent who says that they love their child, but they don't discipline them, is not really loving their child. Hebrews 12.5 says this, My child, don't make light of the Lord's what? What's it say? Discipline. And don't give up when he what? Corrects you. Why? For the Lord disciplines whom? Those he loves. So if you're here today and you're not a parent, you're like, oh, man, why am I here on this day? This scripture right here will tell you the reason why God corrects your life and wants you to do certain things is because he loves you. He's not a mean God. He's not a mean father. He loves you. And in the same way as God disciplines his children, we in the same way should discipline ours. This is correction driven by love. Now, the problem is, folks, what we don't realize is that there is a major battle going on in many of our households. And there is this need for kids to want to control the household rather than parents. And so in the middle of this battle, we must win it. And parents and grandparents, we need to win it decisively. I mean, if you find yourself constantly nagging and bribing and threatening and yelling at your kids to get them to do what they want. Guess who's winning the battle? They are, not you. But you say, well, I don't want to be mean to my kids because I want them to be my buddy. And we're friends. We're like homeboys. You know, we're, we're girlfriends. You weren't called to be your kid's friend. You were called to be their parent. And there are moments when you can be best buddies, but there's other moments when it's not. Parents, when it comes to disciplining, the theme of the Bible is pretty clear. And this is it. It'll come up on the side screen. Discipline isn't something you do to your child. It's something you do for your child. It's not something you do to your child. It's something you do for your child. In fact, uh, Zig Ziglar, who was a great uh, motivational speaker and also a Christian businessman, he said this. A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the great big world. Is that true? Wouldn't you rather have your child and you can discipline them in your own household in a small place where you can give a lot of love and care rather than getting out into the great big world and you don't have any way to do that? Parents, one of the most loving things that you can do is discipline your kids. Because when you have discipline and you have love, Woven together, that's the best thing. 
And grandparents, it's the same way for you. How you do that with discipline and love is key. When you discipline mom, when you discipline dad, the thing that you're reflecting is who God is. And if God is this perfect parent, which we know that he is, who is always just and loving and kind, then that's the way we should parent our kids. But again, it isn't something that we do to them. It's actually something that we do for them. Now, the reality is that if you are a parent and you're living in the parenthood, there are going to be times in which you are undisciplined. All of us get to that point, no matter who you are. We have moments, we have days, some of us weeks, months, maybe years, where discipline just goes out the room altogether. So let's talk about three kind of types of undisciplined parenting. And what's cool is if you're a teenager and you're here, you're like, yep, mom's like that, or yep, dad's like that. So you can kind of help them out. Now, this is what we're going to do. After each one of these that I give to you, you have to raise your hand to say, you know what? That's where I'm at. I kind of struggle in that particular area. Now, the problem is, if you don't raise your hands, this is not going to be good. And if you wait until the last one, it could be really bad for you and people will be looking at you, okay? So don't do that. Let's just be honest at the very beginning, okay? Here's the first one I want to talk about. Lifeguard parents. Lifeguard parents. This is what a lifeguard parent is. What are they? These are parents that often rescue their child from consequences. They rescue them from consequences. Little Johnny gets in trouble, and all of a sudden, super mom to the rescue. Oh, little Johnny, don't worry about that. You're going to be okay. Mama's here now. Mama's going to take care of you. No, no, we're not going to let those bad people do anything to you. You're good. And we laugh at it, but that's actually what happens sometimes in parenting. Now, how do you know if you're a lifeguard parent? I was thinking about it. This is it. If you've had to take lunch or take something to school three times in a semester, you're a lifeguard parent. (laughs) Three times. That's it. And if little Johnny is now a sophomore in college and you're still doing that to him, you're like a big-time lifeguard parent, okay? Got it? That's when you're supposed to respond, got it, okay? Got it? Got it, okay. Folks, when you're a lifeguard parent, you don't allow your children to experience the consequence of their mistakes or their sins. Now, why is it so important to let them face consequences. Well, Scripture says this. Galatians 6-7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you... What's the rest of the Scripture say? Yeah. You reap whatever you sow. And we would say that all the time, but do we allow our kids to reap whatever they sow? In other words, God is like set up the world in such a way that there are consequences. And he says, if you live by my word, there will be blessings that come to your life. 
If you put my word over there and you say, no, I'm not going to live by it, there's going to be consequences. We must give our children the gift of facing consequences. For example, if on the first day of school they realize they have a science project that is due at the end of the semester, and the night before it all ends, they haven't done squat. You don't come in there and go, well, I'm going to do it for you. No. You don't save them in that day. What you teach them is, if you don't prepare well, you're going to get an F. That's what it is. For example, if you put out your kids' lunch money at the beginning of the week, and on Monday... Little Sally goes out and buys some makeup and all kinds of stuff and does her own deal. And then on Tuesday, she comes back to mom and dad and says, hey, that money I had to spend on this stuff. You know what you need to tell her? You better eat a lot of breakfast this week. (laughs) They won't starve. But if you don't give the consequences and allow them to be faced... And you save them, it never is helpful. Now, here is a moment of honesty. Don't look at anyone else in the room. How many of you would say, you know what? I'm a lifeguard parent. I have a tendency to rescue my kids. Okay? Is that you? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Now, the good thing is, like, you're done. You can be like, hey, what about the rest of you? You going to be honest? All right, here's number two. This is what I call the etch-a-sketch parent. Okay? The etch-a-sketch parent. Now, what are etch-a-sketch parents? They are parents that are often inconsistent. They're inconsistent. Now, if you're a teenager and you're a 20-something and you're still listening to me right now, because some of you have already gone to your phones or you're off in another world, because you're like, parenting, this doesn't apply to me. Well, I want to give you like a little uh, symbolic thing here. This, this is an Etch-A-Sketch. And, and what this is, is this is a computer for people that live in Arkansas. All right. Now, if you live in Arkansas or you don't like or you like Arkansas, whatever, don't send me any emails. Okay, just just a joke, folks. We're not making it up. Now, what this is, this is a mechanical drawing toy. And we have two knobs right here and you can make any kind of line that you want. But the good thing is, if you finally get to a point where you don't like it, you can make it all disappear by doing what? You shake it. You shake it away and it's gone. It disappears. Now the problem is there are a lot of parents that have become etch-a-sketch parents. They will draw a line of discipline one day and then the next day, what? Shake it away. Then the next day they draw a different line and then what? Shake it away. And then they draw another one, another day. And then the next day, what happens? You shake it. (laughs) See, look, 
Kids, no. Kids, no. And the problem with this, folks, is you never know what the line is. But you know what kids want to know? The line. They want to know the boundaries. They want to know what is it. Scripture says this. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Now notice that Scripture does not say this. Discipline today, but tomorrow you can take a day off. No, no, no. It says discipline your children every day. Have one line here today that is the same that's going to be tomorrow, next week, next year, whatever it is. Parents, a lot of our kids, what they're asking for, they don't say it out loud, but in their mind they're like, what are the lines? And are these lines moving? When our two girls were uh, very little, I was a very, very etch-a-sketch parent. Part of it was they were so young that I would get tired. And when you get tired, you're just like, whatever, you know, have at it. I don't care. But then one day it hit me that it is dangerous to be that kind of parent. It's very, very dangerous because this is what would happen. One day I wouldn't get much sleep. And on that next day or on one night I wouldn't get much sleep. And so that next morning I'd wake up and I'm Drill sergeant parent. This is the way it's going to be in our house. Bam. Next day, I get a whole lot of sleep and I become cruise director parent. Come on in. What do you want to do? Anything you want. The love boat. Having a wonderful time with us all. Come on in, you know. And all of a sudden my kids are like, what are we doing today? You know, we don't know what dad's going to be. Now. Another moment of honesty. How many of you would say you're an Etch-A-Sketch parent where you keep transferring the lines regularly? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Mass confession. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being honest. Okay. Here's the last one. So if you didn't pick the first two, we know what you are. All right. Here it is. This last one is called Split Decision Parents. Okay, split decision parents. These are the type of parents that become divided when it comes to parenting. They just disagree. Amos 3.3 says this. Can two people walk together without what? What's it say? Agreeing on the direction. Now, what's the answer? No, it's a rhetorical question. You already know the answer. No. Parents and grandparents, one of the most important things you can do is have a unified front and stance when it comes to your kids. Now, let's talk about the real world here just for a second. If you are a divorced parent and you don't like your ex, you know what's going to happen? Your kids are going to see that. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to pit each of you against the other. There'll be words like this. Well, mom said that I could go there. And if you don't let me go there, then you're mean. And all of a sudden the dad's like, well, I don't want to be the mean one. I hate her. So I want her to be mean. So, okay, do whatever you want. Or this one. Well, dad 
He said that he would buy this for me, but you're not going to buy it for me. So you don't love me as much. And then all of a sudden the mom's like, well, I want them to love me. I mean, he's a jerk. I mean, I want them to love me. And all of a sudden they can pit. And this is all I want to say that if you're divorced, you still have to parent your kids. And if you can at least say, you know what? Let's be civil to one another and let's have three or four things that we are going to be committed to as parents, whatever that is. Write it down and commit to doing that. Let's take blended families for a second. Again, this can be a challenge because this is what happens with blended families. Hey, these are my kids. Don't mess with my kids. Let me deal with my kids. You deal with your kids. Now, here's the problem if you're a blended family. When you chose to get remarried, you became one flesh. And when you became one flesh, then all of a sudden, in the midst of that, it's no longer yours and mine. It is ours. And when they're under our roof, they need to have a particular way that both of us choose to Use discipline. And if you need to disagree, and you're going to, then do it behind closed doors. Never do it in front trying to one-up one or the other. Your kids look different. It's all the same. Do not show any weakness because if you show weakness, it's like piranhas. They will come at you and they will nip away to get their way. Now at our house, uh, I did something recently that put my wife in a very awkward uh, place. Our, uh, it was on a Saturday morning, and our youngest daughter, Shiloh, uh, had not cleaned up her room. And after breakfast, uh, Jen said, Shiloh, you need to go upstairs and clean up your room. And Shiloh was very obedient, first time. Okay, no problem, Mom. So we're still downstairs, and eventually I go upstairs into our room, and I'm working on the final kind of draft for the teaching. And Jen walks up, and when she walks up, Shiloh is not in her bedroom. She is in the playroom in Barbie world. And Barbies are all around her. And we have a thing that we often ask our kids uh, when this happens, how many times do we need to ask you once? It needs to be the first time. And so I hear this because the door's open. I hear this going down. And uh, I hear Jen go, well, Shiloh, how many times do I need to ask you to do something? Once. And she said, well, now I'm asking you twice and I shouldn't have to do that. And you need to correct it now. I need you to go and clean up your room. So I'm kind of like, you know, doing my thing. And I'm hearing it a little bit. And then all of a sudden I hear this. She walks into our bedroom. She looks at me, and this is what she says. Mom is so uptight. (laughs) She stomps to her room, though, and she starts cleaning it up. Now, I'm hearing all of this, and Jen all of a sudden walks into the bedroom, too, and she knows that I've heard all of this. And she wasn't as calm with me (laughs) as she was with Shiloh. And this is what she said. Why didn't you back me up? And this is what I said. I don't know. (laughs) 
And then I added this. Because maybe you're uptight. Uh, good or not good? Not good, yeah, yeah. In that moment, I gave the wrong message to my daughter, and more importantly, I gave the wrong message to my wife. This is what I should have immediately said when Shiloh walked in. I should have said, stop. Your, your mom's not uptight, but your little hind end might get uptight here in a second. If you don't go in there and you obey right now your mom and you clean up your room. Folks, we've got to be unified when it comes to parenting. No division. So, how about you on this one? Moment of honesty. How many of you would say, you know what? That's me. I'm a split parent decision. That's what I do. Be honest. Say, hey, that's me. That's what I do. And, uh, you know, I'm divided in that. Okay, thanks for your honesty. Good job. Now, if none of you raise your hand, God knows who you are. <laughs> Just joking, joking, joking. Okay, so we looked at faults. And I pray that God will continue to remind you of those whenever so that you get better. These three things are just to help us become better as parents. And what I want to do now is I want to turn things a little bit. But before I do, I just want to invite you to something that we're doing uh, to help all of us become better parents. Like, there are a lot of good parents here. But, hey, why not just not be good? How about be great? And the best way you do that is to come and be a part of this parenting class. So on August 29th, we're going to have a parenting class at the church office at 6 o'clock. And we would love for you to come and be a part of that. You can sign up uh, either on the app or if you go down this hallway, we'll actually have a table that talks about it. And you can sign up there and get any more information. Now, like I said, I want to shift gears to kind of give us some practical things that we can take home of what I think should be expectations of our children and ourselves. And so here's the first one. When it comes to them, what are the expectations that we have? Here's the first thing. We expect first time and cheerful obedience. Okay? We expect first time and cheerful obedience from our kids. In fact, let's all say that out loud together, one voice. We expect first time and cheerful obedience. Scripture says this. Children, obey your parents after they have warned you several times. Is that what it says? No. It says, children, obey your parents in how much? Everything. For this what? It pleases the Lord. Scripture does not say, obey your mom and dad after they say, cut that out. Stop that. If you do that one more time, I'm telling you, if I have to walk across that room, one, two, boy, you better not let me get to three. If you do that one more time, no, we expect first time obedience just as god expects it from us 
God expects us to obey which time? First time. I mean, you don't want to be like, ah, God, I'll give you it 29 times and then I'll finally. Because he doesn't want you to go through pain. And the reason why you want to correct your kids the first time and you want them to obey the first time is because it is a benefit to them. And we not only expect outward obedience, but inward obedience as well. Several years ago, when our kids were fairly small, Jen and I sat down and we prayed about it, and we discerned that we were going to have some bunch building blocks when it comes to our family. Basically, how we're going to honor one another in our family. And so on our refrigerator, uh, we have these bunch building blocks. And uh, they've gotten stained different times, so we've had to get some new ones. But they're just scriptures. Now, we're not going to go through all those, but the last one is one I'd like us all to read out loud together. Let's read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's not just for kids. That'd be good for us. Now, we've had to add to this scripture because we have girls. I'm not saying it's just girls. I'm saying it's our two girls, okay? We've had to add whining. And so we do everything without arguing, complaining, or whining in our house. Because if you don't do a building block, folks, you know what you're going to have? Whiny kids. Always arguing back. Always talking back. I didn't get my way. If you don't build the, the foundation for what that is, I'm telling you, they'll build their own. They will. And when there is rebellion, this is what I found. It's better to discipline more for attitude than it is action. It's much better to be able to discipline more for attitude than action. Because when it comes right down to it, folks, attitude's everything. Where your kids are going and where my kids are going, attitude is everything. Where they are going is dependent upon their attitude. Folks, we discipline as much for attitude as we do for action. And this is what I found. If we discipline for their attitude, guess what will follow? The right action. If they have the right attitude, then they're going to have the right action. We expect first time and cheerful obedience. Let's look at, look at another expectation. Here it is. We agree to never discipline in anger. We just agree and say that we're never going to discipline in anger. And let me just say, in our world and our community, you read it all the time. People do this, and it needs to stop. The Bible tells us clearly in Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not, what's the word? That could be for anyone and everyone. Parent, grandparent, teenager, in your anger, do not sin. Now, I've been very transparent with you to tell you that one of the struggles that I've had uh, is with anger. And so for years, I went to counseling, I did some anger management, and now I'm seeing a lot of victory over my anger. But every once in a while, I don't 
obey God and my anger gets the best of me. For example, this Christmas, I wanted to give my wife what I thought was the greatest gift I'd ever given her in 23 years of marriage. I wrote down 23 things that I love about her. It took me two hours to do it all. And I had it all written out, and I take this envelope, and I give it to Jen. I think we have a picture uh, of it when Jen received it. And she has it, and I start videotaping her because it's Christmas. And I wanted there to be this wonderful moment where Jen was doing it. And she reads the first one. She starts tearing up. And about the second one, I'm videotaping, and all of a sudden, there is this wrapping paper going across the room, back and forth between my girls. They start throwing stuff up in the air, they're playing with their toys, they're yelling, they're screaming, and finally, Dad had had it! And I grab both of their little arms. There's 13 steps, I think, up our stairs. They hit about two or three of them. And I drug their little behinds all the way to their rooms. I put them in both of their rooms. I looked at them and I said, you are acting like a fool. And I walked back down those steps thinking, that's my woman down there. And I'm telling those kids who they are. I walk up to my wife. And this is what Jen says. I know you wanted this to be a special moment, but it's Christmas and they're kids. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm trying to justify all the reasons. She's like, Chris, it's Christmas. Like, it's Christmas. Do you want your kids to remember this as Christmas 2016? No. So I walk up those 13 steps. I go to each of their rooms separately. And this is one thing that we practice in our house. I would strongly encourage you. If you mess up as a parent, you apologize to your kids. If you mess up, you apologize quickly and every time. And I walked into Jordan's room first. She's my attorney. And I could already tell, you know, this was going to be good. So I go, I go, honey, I'm sorry. Daddy acted in anger and I shouldn't. She goes, Daddy, you called us a fool. And you have never called us a fool before. I don't think God would like that. And then she said this. We're sorry, Daddy. We're so sorry. And I hugged her and I said I was sorry. And she did the same. And we went and did it for Shiloh as well. And then Shiloh said the same thing. Daddy, you called us a fool. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) But folks, it could have all been prevented... Had I not given into what? Anger. Parents, misbehavior, inappropriate attitudes, they need to be dealt with. You can't just kind of wink at them and go, hey, hey, change that because it's not going to happen. You have to correct it and correct it immediately. Now, the discipline for a young child might be timeout. 
It might be taking a toy away from them. Uh, Jordan did this one time. She took a toy, threw it across the room, put a dent in one of, uh, one of our furniture pieces. I took that toy, I put it on top of our television, and for a week she wasn't able to see that. That's good discipline right there, I'll tell you. You know what? That kid's never thrown a toy since then. He just hasn't. And every once in a while, if it's real deviant behavior, a little smack on the behind doesn't hurt anything. And regardless of where you're at on that, just be consistent. Discipline for older children might be taking a privilege away. Uh, Additional chores, maybe repayment for something if they break something. Uh, Our daughter, uh, Jordan, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was talking to an adult in a way that Jennifer didn't think was very respectful. And so uh, we corrected it. And then the next day, she went to that adult and she apologized. And Jordan was like, I don't want to do that. And we're like, you don't have a choice. And she did it. But when you choose to discipline folks, let me just say this. Never Never do it in anger. Just make a commitment right now that I will not do that. And if you do, immediately ask forgiveness of God and then forgiveness of your kids. And let me just say this. There's no doubt in a crowd this size that, folks, some of you, you've been disciplining in anger. You have been. And it needs to stop. You need to stop it now. If you need help, To get better at that, get help. Come to the church office, let us help you. But stop doing that because you don't want to stand before a holy God one day when he says, how did you discipline your kids? And you say, I did it out of anger. You know what? He's not going to be happy. And he's going to be, why did you hurt one of my little ones? So never, never discipline in anger. So expect first time and cheerful obedience, never discipline in anger. And the last thing is we will discipline promptly with instruction and reconciliation. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now let's talk about instruction. Jennifer and I are fairly consistent on this. Uh, When our girls have inappropriate attitudes or they misbehave, the first thing we do is we pull them away from being in a public setting or around other people. The worst thing you can do for a kid is discipline them in public around other people. It just destroys the trust between you and that child. So if you pull them away wherever that is, and then we will ask this question, What did you just do wrong? Now, most of the time, you know what they're going to say? Nothing. I didn't do anything wrong. They did something wrong. In fact, we had this not too long ago. We had to discipline Shiloh. Jordan and her were in the room, and Jordan took her Barbie. And Shiloh hit her. And we said, Shiloh, we don't ever hit anybody now what did you do wrong Jordan took my Barbie no 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 we're not talking about Jordan now we're talking about you what did you do and you have to get them to a point of admission that they have done something wrong and they understand why they are in trouble 
Now, once they admit that, the second question is, how could you do this better next time? This is instruction. This is training ahead of time so that kids know they always have a way out. Every temptation there is, there is always a way out. God gives us a way out. And we want to help them to do that the next time. That's the instruction. Then, secondly, is reconciliation. What is that? Well, you did something wrong. Now, what are you going to do to make it right? I guess I should go apologize. Yeah, you should. Other times, if it's an attitude issue, we will have to say to them, well, this is what your punishment is. And we remind them that they're forgiven and loved, but good mommies and daddies make sure that you're disciplined in a way. And then we hug and kiss and sometimes we pray. And then this is the important thing. We never bring it back up again. We just don't. Now, other people may bring it up in our family or friends, but we don't. We never bring it up again. Now, in our home, discipline is a serious matter. But every once in a while, what we give our kids are called grace moments. Now, you can't have your parenting to where every moment's a grace parent. You know what that's called? Not parenting. But every once in a while, we give them grace moments. And we've done this since they've been very small. And we want our kids, Jordan and Shiloh, to understand God's grace. That it's something that is a gift that we do not deserve, but we receive. And recently... Uh, Shiloh got in trouble for something and she felt really bad. And there were like tears coming down. You could tell she was hurting. And I sat her down and I looked at her and I said, well, Shiloh, today you're not going to be punished. I'm going to give you a grace moment. Do you know what that means? And she said, yeah, it means I don't get what I deserve. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. And then all of a sudden, with her big blue eyes, she looked up at me and she goes, Daddy, I love grace moments. <laughs> Is that what you do with your Heavenly Father? Are there moments when your life is so messed up and He gives you grace, something that you don't deserve, and He gives you a moment? You know, the power of grace moments is that once you receive them, you finally decide, I want him to be master of my life. I don't want anything else to be master of my life. Not another person, not an object, not a thing. I want Jesus and Jesus alone to be the master because he gives grace like no one else. And today, we get to celebrate 29 people getting baptized as a commitment of saying, I've received this grace And I want to give my one and only life to Christ. It's really cool. And uh, it's the largest baptism we've ever had in the history of the jar. And all of these 29 people have amazing stories. You know, one of the greatest joys of my life is I never get tired of seeing changed lives. 
And I know that because my life has been dramatically changed by what Jesus Christ did for me. And uh, I still never will forget that moment at 26. Thinking that I wasn't good enough for God's grace to fully take away my sin. And that moment I received that freedom is like nothing else. And today, these 29 people will be doing that. And I want to strongly encourage you to come to the baptism. It's at 5.30 at Prairie Creek. The directions are in your program. Come, be a part of that. The meat and drinks are provided. Bring a side dish. Don't be a freeloader, okay? Bring something. And we'll be able to celebrate what God's doing in the lives of these people. Some of these people you never see because you're at second and they're at first. And you get to go and support them and celebrate them. And so I would encourage you to do that. Um, Let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up here if you'd like a prayer for anything. There'll be a couple of folks on uh, each side of these screens uh, would love to pray for you. But maybe today is like your day. Like you never really thought of your heavenly father. You always just saw him as a hard kind of person, but you never saw him as a wonderfully gifted person beautiful, loving parent who wants to care for you because he loves you. And if that's you today, then back in the right corner, Abby's back there, and she'd love to uh, help you accept Christ and make a commitment to him to get a free Bible and to move on. And so today you're like, man, I need him. I need his forgiveness. I need a recommitment. Uh, I've drifted away and I need to do that. Go back there and Abby would love Uh, to meet uh, with you. So let's pray. Well, God, we thank you so much for what you uh, did in this place today. And God, as we've been talking about parents, I just pray that today might be a wake-up call for all of us who are parents or grandparents, how to get better at doing that. God, uh, help me uh, to continue to know how to teach in such a way that would help our parents get better. And God, I pray personally for myself, God, would you make me a better parent? God, I I have so many areas I want to grow in. God, would you help me? And maybe you're sitting here today and you're not a parent at all. You're like, maybe what you would just see is that out of this teaching that, that your heavenly father is a parent who wants to give you good things. And that one day if you're ever a parent that you might remember this message. Now, if you are a parent, maybe you're thinking right now, Chris, man, I'm at a crossroad right now. I need to be more consistent, better focused, more in love with God and my children. If that's you and you're like, hey, I need prayer for me right now. Chris, would you pray for me? Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to be a better parent. I need to improve. Just raise your hand wherever you're at. And, uh, Let me pray for you. God, would you lead each person that raised their hand? Remind them that they are your child first and you love them and you will give them power to raise their kids in such a way 
that would honor you. You'll give them tools and strength and energy to do so. And God, I pray for kids of parents in this place today that are running wild right now. I pray that you would do whatever it takes, God, to bring them back to you. They're outside of your ways. God, would you bring them back? And God, for all the little ones that are in Jar Kids today, we thank you for the ability for us to be able to raise them. And I pray, God, that you would, you would help us to know how to lead them in such a way and train them and love them in the way that you call us so that your name would be made great. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Yeah.